Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Presbyterian Church. For more information about our church, please visit our website, gracechurchlaunceston.com. The holiday season is over. Australia Day weekend has come and gone. Now the kids are back at school, um, and I hope you kids, kids are enjoying being back at school. Are you having fun? Yep, awesome. Uh, the work year is up and humming with all the new things that we've got to figure out. And finally, finally, we're into the, the week-by-week rhythm that will carry us until just before Christmas time. Uh, so I thought it'd be really great to take a Sunday out at the start of the year, the unofficial start of the year, to think about and look at God's Word about what we're all about as a church. So as we look ahead, we have so many things before us this year. Not only personally in our lives, uh, but as we'll talk about after the service, we have quite a few things that we've got ahead of us as a church as well. And it can look like there's just so much going on and so much to do. I don't know about you, but I like to keep lists of jobs. Are you a list person? Notes? Um, You should see my desk. I've got lots of lists with things half-crossed out. But in all this busyness at the start of the year, as we get into this week-by-week rhythm and the excitement of the start, in the midst of the juggling act that is life, it's very easy to lose sight of the main thing. Why are we here? Why do we exist as a church? And in fact, more basic than that, why are we Christians at all? It's easy to run ahead and just do things without giving thought to the why question. And so I think Ephesians tells us the answer here, why. It gives us the reason why we're here and it gives us our focus for the coming year. That we're to be all about the praise of God's glorious grace. We're here to praise God. That's why we're here. There are challenges ahead, there are opportunities ahead, but we can never and must never lose sight of the reason, the reason we're here and the reason we're Christians at all, we're to praise God. That's our focus and for this year and every year after that. The good news of this particular passage is that God has blessed us. He has blessed us, chosen us and lavished His grace upon us in the Lord Jesus so that we might praise Him, so that we might praise Him. So Paul, who wrote this letter to the Ephesians, He begins with a note of overwhelming praise. He blesses or praises God the Father for blessing his people. And this is our first point this afternoon, the blessing of the Father. Have a look at verse 3, we'll start there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So, Paul has begun a huge sentence here. We don't see it in English, but it goes for some 200 words. It's a big sentence from down to verse 14. And it's a song of praise. It's a song of praise. It's a prayer which just marvels at what God has done. Paul praises his Father in heaven. Why? Because the Father has blessed us. Blessed who? Blessed people who believe in the Lord Jesus. His church. 
He blesses his people with every spiritual blessing. Uh, you could translate there, and I think probably better translation would be to, to say that it, it's every blessing of the Spirit. Every blessing of the Spirit. So where are these blessings from? The source of these blessings is heavenly. The Holy Spirit is bringing these blessings which find their source in the heavens in Christ. The blessing you see, what is the blessing here? I think it's none other than the Lord Jesus himself who is in the heavens right now, reigning as King of Kings. And Paul wants us to see here that we are united to Jesus, united to Christ. We're in Christ is the language here in this passage, in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean for us? It means we have Christ ourselves and we receive all the benefits, all the blessings of being in Christ and He in us. And this is the reason for praise. He's praising the Father so ardently here. He's overwhelmed at what God has done for His people. And Paul goes on to, to list these blessings in the, few, in the coming verses, like redemption and the forgiveness of sins, the benefits which Jesus has won in His life, in His death on the cross, in the place of sinful human beings, in His resurrection bringing us to new life and the gift of a promised future and inheritance in the new creation. The Father blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus, in the heavens. And so what does he do? He praises God for us. He praises the Lord. And Paul here is calling us as a church to praise God. He wants the notes to ring out. And so we want to be, we need to be a church which sings this tune. This is the song sheet we all need to be singing from. We actually want this song stuck in our heads. We want this music to animate our lives day by day as God's people. We want to be all about the praise of God. Now, we're going to talk about later what lies ahead of us as a church. No, we can make plans. You know, but we don't really know what happens, can we? We can make plans, right? But we don't know the future. And it's so easy for us to focus on what we don't yet have, the resources that we might lack, the ministries we can do or not do, and the opportunities for mission before us. And yet underneath all of this, we need to know that the praise of God is the reason. It must be the reason for why we do what we do as a church. Let's not lose sight of what God the Father has done for us. Let's keep our eyes on what is most important and what is most praiseworthy, that is God Himself. Our Father has given us everything we need and more, every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavens. So let's go to the second point here. And we're to praise the Father because He has chosen us in Christ. He's chosen us in Him. Verses 3 and 4, we'll see that there. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will. So here we see another reason where to praise the Father. Why? Because He chose us in Christ. 
He chose us, not last week, not even last year, but when? When does it say? Before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world. You know, when we had our kids, we got three kids, we didn't start loving our children the moment they were born. No, we loved them while they were inside the womb, didn't we? We loved them before they were born over those nine months. And so God, he loved his people before the world was made. From eternity. How good is that? And as it says there, he loved us from before the creation. He chose us in Christ. In him, as it says, verse 4, to be saved, united to Jesus from eternity. And the Father chose to bless us with this incredible blessing. You know, even before the sky was blue before Quamby Bluff was there, before the South Esk River made its way through Hadspen, before anything was created. But there's more here. The Father does this for a purpose, verse 4. What is it? Verse 4, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, they're big words, holy and blameless. What do they mean? Well, holiness is about being morally pure. Morally pure. Blamelessness is about being freed from the guilt of breaking God's law. Well, that's what God our Father chose us to be, to be holy and blameless. That's why he chose us in Jesus. You know, we weren't born to stay in our sin. As Christians, we know that we fail God a lot, don't we? We don't live up to God's ways, but God wants us to be holy and pure. And how can we know that this will happen? Because he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are united to Jesus. And that is the hope for change. That is the hope for change. Because we're in Christ, we can know that he will grow us to be more like our Saviour. That's good news because I know I get frustrated with my sin when I struggle with it or I just give in to it. But in Jesus, there is everything we need to live for him now. And he's planned this from eternity, hasn't he? He sent his son to accomplish this. He forgives us and he will make us holy and blameless. The father loves us so much that he chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. And he also, verse five, includes us in his family. You see that there? This language of adoption. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance to his pleasure and will. Yet in the ancient world, the firstborn son of a household would inherit the, uh, the privileges, the property, and a lot, really, <laughs> the family name. Now, this doesn't really happen in Western culture so much today, Maybe if you think of royalty, actually, that's probably a good example. Still in Western culture, King Charles' coronation is coming up, isn't it? Does anyone remember the date? No? Okay. But we get a public holiday, is that right? I don't know. We don't? Let's hope so. Um, we, King Charles, why, why is he the king? Because he's inherited the title from his mother. He's the firstborn of Queen Elizabeth. 
And this is exactly what adoption is like in the Bible. We inherit all the privileges of being in God's family. The Father has chosen us as sons, adopted us into the family to inherit in Jesus all the privileges of being in the family. You know, we shouldn't miss how, how crazy this actually is for us. Even us, imagine that. We don't deserve this blessing. It's crazy to think we inherit the privileges of being in God's family. But it is ours in Christ. The Father welcomes us into the family with the inheritance of being sons. Now, kids there, have you got your sheet? On the back of your sheet, you have a picture of heaps and heaps of people. Is that right? I hope I put... Yes, I did put that on there. Very good. Now, maybe I would love you to draw and show me afterwards a picture of you next to those people. Because as Christians, people who believe in Jesus, we get to become a part of God's great big family. Can you do that for me? God brings us into a big family. But why did, why did God do this? Why did he choose us in him? Why are we welcomed into the family at all? What is the motivation here for God? It's certainly not because of us, is it? Is it? Maybe it is. Verse 4 and 5. It's because of his love. It's because of his good pleasure. The Father does all this because of his love for us. Not because we're good or because he saw some goodness in us but because he loves us. Yeah? It's because of him and his love. You know, it can be hard to live for Jesus. It can be hard to live for Jesus. And there are different pressures. There are things to do. People say all sorts of things. People don't believe in Jesus. And it can be tough. But we can remember our Father in heaven loves us. And he has planned from all eternity... He's chosen us and he sent Jesus to live and die for us so that we can live for him and be part of his family. So as we head to school, as we head to work or whatever we do in our lives in the week, we can live confidently knowing that God loves us. And knowing God's love, this is incredibly freeing, I think. It's liberating and brings joy. And as we look to the year ahead as a church, you know, we might plan some things. We might put on a holiday club again, up for discussion. Uh, we might do some community outreach at the park. We might do all sorts of things. They might, they might work. We might get heaps of kids along. They might not work, and no one turned up. It could be an utter flop. But in the end, if we're chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, if we're loved by our Father in heaven, then this frees us from having the world rest on our shoulders. Success or otherwise isn't the be-all and end-all. If I'm loved by God, whether what we do succeeds or doesn't succeed doesn't really matter too much. I'm loved by my Father, whether I achieve what I want in my job, whether I get the good marks or not. I'm loved. I'm loved by my God, 
When I make a mistake or wear the blame at work for something I didn't do, I'm still loved. I'm loved by my Father. When things are overwhelming and unsure in my life, because that's really what matters, isn't it? And this is so helpful for us as a, a church plant as well. As a new church, we're seeking to become established. We're seeking to be a long-term witness into this community and into the Launceston area, God willing, for decades. That's my prayer. And God's love from before the foundation of the world, I think it just frees us to have a go, doesn't it? We can work hard and pray hard and leave the results up to him. It's not really us in the end who plants a church. It's God. God's love gives us a rock-solid assurance and confidence even that we are safe and unshakably secure. And so we can go about our ministry as a church to the praise of God with joy in our hearts. So... We've seen that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We've seen the Father has chosen us in Jesus. And now we'll finish off here with seeing and savouring and praising the grace of the Father. That's verse 6. The grace of the Father. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Paul here points to the lavish generosity of God. God has done this work from eternity. He has planned this. In Christ, he has accomplished this. And why? Well, it's all an act of God's glorious grace. But what is grace anyway? What is that word? What is that word grace? We say it a lot as Christians anyway. Grace is God's undeserved kindness. Now, kids, can you remember that? God's undeserved kindness. Grace is God's favour, his kindness toward people who don't deserve anything from him. And it flows out of all that God is. He is gracious. Grace tells us what we're like as human beings. We are people who have turned away from him. We haven't honoured the God who has made us and loves us. God shows grace, undeserved kindness in all sorts of ways in our lives, from putting food on our table, giving us a place to live, health, But most of all, he shows us grace in loving and saving rebellious people, people like us, sinners. God is gracious. It's not something we earn from God or sort of negotiate with God. You know, negotiating with God is sort of the default position of most religions and most people, really. It's kind of the default thinking that we can be pretty good people. Uh, We haven't done too much wrong. Uh, The good that we've done outweighs the bad. So, no, that's not grace. That's not grace. Grace is acknowledging that we're sinners. We've got nothing. Our sin deserves hell. We've shamed God. We've dishonoured him. We've nothing to bargain our way to him. So that's why we need Jesus. We owe God everything. Grace is the free gift of the Son for us. The good news of Jesus is all about God's amazing grace in saving us when we couldn't save ourselves. Jesus lived and died and rose again in our place and he gave us life when we don't deserve it. That's grace. Grace is a free gift poured out. 
in his beloved one, Jesus. I'm going to read out some of Psalm 103, which we read before, which is all about God's grace. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, or nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. How far is the east from the west? They never meet, do they? That is how far God removes our sins from us by his grace. And so I think this is, this is uh, why we're called, if I remember back a few years now, why we're called Grace Presbyterian Church. Uh, it's the very reason why we're here. It's because we're here because of grace. Uh, and it's my hope and prayer that we'd really be a church which praises God this year for his glorious grace. And as we go forward, let's remember that church, our church even, is an act of grace. You know, this church isn't my church or your church. It's Jesus' church. The church is his. It's not something we can accomplish in our own strength. It's all of grace. God alone gathers people and unites them to Christ and grows his church in him. It's all grace from start to finish. So he deserves all the praise and let's praise the Father for his glorious grace. So as we look ahead, I'm excited for the year uh, to see what God does in and through us and whatever lies ahead, I don't know. Uh, it's my prayer that the praise of God is our focus and let it be our mission to see many more people join in the song.